Welcome to episode 15 of Between the Times, a podcast ministry of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my name is John Payne, and I'm here with my good friends, Dr. Gabriel Williams. How's it going? It's going well, going well. And uh, also here with uh, Pastor Ross Hodges. Hello. Ross is, um, he's a frog today. Uh, <laughs> you might hear in his voice uh, a bit of a bit of struggle from... Uh, <laughs> A recent cold, is that right? That's Ron? right, yep. So I apologize to all of our six listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you had a cousin in Alabama that started listening. Well, that'd so be number seven. seven. Yeah, I think it's, that's a perfect number now. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, for our seven listeners, um, we are excited today to talk about a very important topic. Uh, and that is a topic that is uh, connected to the doctrine of the church and the significance uh, and importance of the church for the Christian believer and we've uh, titled this episode upside down spirituality and um, if if you were the devil and you wanted to disrupt uh, the the ministry of the church and uh, the spiritual lives of Christian believers uh, the question is what would you do uh, to undermine that spirituality and as we think about the importance of the, the means of grace and the ministry of the local church, uh, we would say, I think, uh, that, the, that uh, if I were the devil, I'd want to attack that ministry, mm -hmm. the ministry that God himself has, has attached his promises to mm -hmm. for the gathering and perfecting of, of his people. Um, but how do we see this, this upside-down spirituality today? Is there an emphasis on personal religion over corporate religion? I would say the most obvious sense is that we see people displacing the corporate worship of the church. And by that, I mean most people assume today that in order for you to be truly spiritual, it must come in your prayer closet. It must be in your mm. personal heart-to-heart -heart devotion. It cannot be just in terms of you coming to the gathered assembly of the saints, coming to hear under the word, hear the preaching of the word and receive sacraments to I think a lot of people either it's a topic that they just may have never been taught before so in which case they have no idea or they are self-consciously rejecting because it sounds very cold informal and almost Catholic at times mm -hmm. I think we have a in general we have a, a low view of the institution of the church the institutional mm -hmm. church in our culture and I think that is on on the part of as far as spiritual warfare and the the tactics of the devil. There's a lot of subtlety there because mm -hmm. what happens is um, the the issues of personal piety uh, become uh, not attacked in the sense that there's this idea that you shouldn't have personal piety. You know, the devil hasn't been that blatant, mm -hmm. but more that. Um, here you, you don't need to do it through the objective means of grace you need to do it through primarily um, your own as Gabe was saying your own prayer closet and some informal fellowship with believers and therefore your your accountability time at Starbucks on Friday mornings is just as important if not more important uh, in the minds of many people um, according to this line of thinking, than than being at the Lord's table with His saints um, on the Lord's day. Yes, and there can be a lot of reasons for this. Um, we saw the rise of liberalism in the mainline denominations, and from that, of course, we saw the emergence of 
the uh, parachurch mm -hmm. organization to to quote do uh, and to accomplish what the church is not doing and accomplishing mm -hmm. right. uh, because right. they are being unfaithful then we need to start up parachurch organizations to be faithful and uh, in some ways it seems that with the megachurch movement there's kind of uh, a mentality that we're going to have as many programs and as many um, almost parachurch ministries within the church mm -hmm. so as to confuse people about where the true power lies. Mm -hmm. Does the power lie in the gospel as faithfully proclaimed through word and sacrament or does the power lie in the small group ministry or in the one-on-one -on -one meeting at Starbucks? Not to, not to marginalize or minimize the importance of, of, of those right. kinds of meetings we, we we know the Lord works through those things but but the Lord has promised to use the faithful preaching of his word and the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper and the corporate gathering <clears throat> in a way that is distinct and special and, and different than in those other realms I think it's even more than that because the temptation is to say all you really have is your personal piety but we seem not to really either accept the fact that your view of corporate piety affects your view of personal piety. Mm, what is usually uh, kind of understood for a lot of people is that those who tend to have a very, either we would say low corporate uh, sort of piety, are usually the sort of individuals who have a very subjective view of the scripture itself. Yes. There's no real uh, guardrails in your mm -hmm. life. It's right. basically, I chase the experience that seems the most spiritual or the experience that seems the most tangible to me instead of having a faithful trust and reliance upon Christ, which is most clearly seen in the way His Word is proclaimed and uh, taught and visibly seen on the Lord's Day with His people. Or the spirituality that fits best with my life. Yeah. Right? Yes. So whatever is convenient to me, that it must come through the convenience funnel uh, before it is that which I embrace for my Christian life. And so you, you have a kind of uh, piecemeal, personally selected kind of mm -hmm. consumer spirituality where you say, well, this is not going to mess with my business in this area of my life, and mm -hmm. this is not going to mess with the business in this area of my life. And so I'm going to put together this... this, this uh, um, spirituality that's going to fit best with my life and my even I could say my idols <laughs> um, and the things that I don't want to give up whereas a ministry that comes from outside of you uh, a, an objective ministry of, of faithful preaching which has correction and rebu rebuke and training and exhortation and mm -hmm. and and these kinds of things why then you're not grading yourself on a curve anymore you're actually just hearing truth Mm -hmm. gospel truth coming to you the good news of the gospel and then also the way we are called to live according to the imperatives of scripture mm -hmm. in response to that gospel mm -hmm. you know, there's so many there's so many things going on here um, I think one of them is the decentralization of the word mm. um, in in a lot of churches today because the the gathering the corporate gathering of um, of the body of Christ in in many churches becomes a time when the word really isn't open very much and um, isn't explained and isn't applied and there isn't that rebuke and there isn't um, that sort of uh, the, the the thus saith the Lord from Scripture and so what happens then is 
because it's not happening on the Lord's Day in corporate worship, then it gets pushed out to the margins and people realize, you know, we need the word, but then it becomes more a time for small groups or accountability groups or my personal quiet time. But then what is happening with all of that is that you don't have a minister of the gospel doing those things that you just said. And so now I do get to filter it through, whether I realize it or not, um, as a sinner, I'm filtering it through my idols and I'm filtering it through my personality and those felt needs that I have. Yes, yes, and there are no, in that equation you just mentioned, the, you know, me, Jesus, and my Bible, there are no shepherds that are protecting you, mm-hmm. that are warning you of false teaching, mm-hmm. uh, they're able to help bring gentle instruction where there is uh, waywardness, mm-hmm. uh, someone to keep you accountable. And and someone to, to remind you on the flip side of these things, we've been speaking sort of the negative, but that that it's the gospel that saves you, you know, because uh, as you and I have had in conversation before, this can become very sort of a works righteousness thing uh, for those people who um, they're not running after sin. They really want to run after Christ, Mm -hmm. but they think they're doing that on their own power, Mm -hmm. which when when your heart is geared that way, you're not hearing the gospel. Mm. You're hearing do, do, do. Be better, do better, pull yourself up by your bootstraps because no one is from the outside coming in and saying, you don't know Christ loves you, Mm -hmm. you know, and and he's died for you and Yes, the public ministry of the church is that which is meant to faithfully communicate the good news of the gospel that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the ministry, not that you work for, it's the ministry you receive. That's right. In your ears and in your mouth at the table, mm-hmm. you are being reminded of who you are in Christ, your true identity in Christ, and whose you are, mm-hmm. uh, namely that you are the Lord's. And that ministry comes from outside of you to you. So yeah, this, this kind of hyper-personal spirituality that's disconnected from the ministry of the local church, it can quickly become a kind of works righteousness. I'm... I'm performing for God, I'm I'm pursuing God, and that, that pursuance of God is really a part of what makes me acceptable to Him. And I think also, just kind of to, to repeat kind of what was said here, it's not necessarily saying that all outside parachurch ministries are a detriment to Christian growth. Right. No, right but right. what is being said is, are we displacing that which is primary? Are we pushing to the side that which is in, actually vitally important to the Christian? So my wife and I, um, maybe a couple of weeks ago, were going through First Timothy, and you read through First Timothy, you don't get the impression that Paul is telling Timothy to basically order the church based upon whatever works best for the sort of people who yeah. are around. Right. Um, First Timothy is kind of a church manual, <laughs> in mm-hmm. a sense. And one of the things it says, this is First Timothy chapter three, it speaks. It's Paul speaking to Timothy about how he ought to conduct himself in the household of God and what is characterized here is that the church is the pillar and the buttress of truth mm-hmm. and so the reality is that when we look at where truth is located the temptation is to kind of what Ross said decentralize everything so it becomes kind of I go to a grocery store I buy truth at this point and go somewhere else to buy it somewhere else here Paul is emphasizing that when you want to find truth, it is properly found within your local assembly. And the danger is to basically believe that there's no 
false teaching outside the church. The danger is to believe that everything outside of the local church is good for your growth. Mm. Some of the things I remember hearing growing up, kind of in terms of how to grow in sanctification, I've heard a lot of things that were obviously influenced by Eastern practices. So contemplative prayer was the first thing I was told. You have to quiet your mind, get before the Lord, and have him speak certain things. So it's all these sort of extra things that are usually right. outside of the actual visible church that are not just uh, neutral things. They are actually quite damaging. Yes. So how your personal piety is, is really dictated to how much you are actually invested, connected, and trusting in what God has appointed in the local church. Yes, and everywhere in the New Testament, uh, beginning in the book of Acts, mm -hmm. we have this emphasis upon the gathering of God's people mm -hmm. to sit under the faithful preaching of the word, the sacraments, and prayer. We, we mm -hmm. have this in Acts 2.42, which is mm -hmm. really a normative verse mm -hmm. for the church. Um, and they devoted themselves, it says, to the mm -hmm. apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. We have the Apostle Paul, after he has planted churches and done so much work for the planting and strengthening of churches, as he's saying his farewells to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, he declares uh, that he's innocent of the blood of all, for he did not shrink from declaring uh, the whole counsel of God. And then in verse 28, he exhorts the Ephesian elders to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Mm -hmm. And uh, what strong words uh, these are to the Ephesian elders. And what, what things do we assume here with this kind of exhortation? Well, we must assume, first of all, uh, obviously, that Christ died for the church. He mm -hmm. shed his own blood for the church. Mm -hmm. And bride. there, there the, the synonym could be, you know, the elect, mm -hmm. uh, the elect of God. He shed his blood for the church. And then uh, another thing that is assumed is that that church is meant to be gathered together as a flock. Mm -hmm. right. They're not separate. They're not off uh, having their eternal quiet times. They are they are gathering together for corporate worship uh, mm -hmm. to, to hear the, the faithful preaching of the word of the mm -hmm. whole counsel of God. Something else is assumed is that there are men who are uh, called, qualified, trained, mm -hmm. and set apart to oversee the flock. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and granted, many will reject this because they've had a bad experience with church of leadership. Of course. Right? right. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a barrier to some people, but yeah. we, we like the, to use the old phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Right. What mm -hmm. what you do in the case of an unfaithful church is you go to find one that is faithful and, mm -hmm. and conforming to Scripture. And if that one ever gets out of out of line with the Scriptures, then you move on to another one that that does. And that's mm -hmm. that's the, the the struggle I think many people have is they've had a bad experience and so they want to reject the whole thing. I think a question we can ask here, and it's meant to drive home the point: What else do you lose by? Uh, hyper-personalizing your faith. What do you lose by not actually bringing together the corporate means of grace with, you say, what you do in your normal choir time? What are you losing here? You certainly lose um, the preaching of God's Word, which mm -hmm. is uh, that which God promises to use to uh, feed us, mm -hmm. to create and nourish true faith. 
um, uh, we lose the sacraments, mm -hmm. uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which God says he will promise to use as a means to drive us to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, we lose the corporate fellowship and prayer of mm -hmm. the saints, which God promises uh, to use in our lives as we have that mutual upbuilding. You know, in, in the book of Ephesians, uh, we are called to strive for mature manhood. Ephesians chapter 4, it says... Um, we should be engaged under the ministry of the church so that we may no longer be children right. tossed mm -hmm. to and fro by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine by human coming by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body mm -hmm. joined and held together by every joint which is with uh, it is equipped by every joint uh, when each part is properly working it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love and so we have this picture that paul gives us here this inspired picture of every member of the congregation of the body of christ uh using their gifts and building one another up in love and mm -hmm. and striving together for maturity in the faith you can't get that as a spiritual lone ranger mm -hmm. no i mean the whole imagery of uh, the body of christ um loses its significance when they're when it's hyper personalized it it you know you would have the comedic view of a you know a body of a finger in this corner and a toe in that corner and an eyebrow in the other corner all sort of doing their own thing mm -hmm. um because they are not being they're not they're not being what they've been called to be mm -hmm. because that finds its most significant form in worship corporately you know one day out of seven and so it's um it's it's trampling on the design that, that christ uh, had and it's it's separating in a radical way um or maybe i should say conflating to think about it uh, the the organic church in the institutional church mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and saying that there's really there's not a difference mm -hmm. in them mm -hmm. right. right i will say one of the things that you gain from and i think thinking in more positive terms is just think of ourselves as new converts and so one of the things the new testament exhorts young converts to have is to pursue self-control mm -hmm. and that's something repeated in proverbs you know a man uh, without self-control has to a city that's broken down without walls. So there's lots of exhortations towards self-control. One of the things that the church does is that it actually fosters that discipline and self-control. When I think of myself as a young convert mm -hmm. some years ago, the best picture I have of myself is that I was basically a wild horse. You know, I was zealous, I was passionate, um, the signs of conversion were there, but I was clearly young and immature. I was all over the place. And it would be foolish for someone to tell me, just figure out self-control on your own. Just kind of mm -hmm. get that going on your own. Just kind of you know, muscle up and mm -hmm. just read the Bible, pray enough, and get to that point. Right. That would be just as foolish as you know going to a wild stallion and saying, I want the stallion to make himself docile. It's just as foolish in the practical sense. And one of the things that corporate worship and corporate pride has done for me is that's restrained my folly. And the reality is that you, know, you can look back in your life and see mistakes, but I can also see being under good shepherds means that there's a lot of folly I've never experienced. And I can see wisdom coming into my life. So I'm not just 
um, coming to the scriptures by myself with no other sort of oversight. There's a sense in which I am buying truth. I am approaching God on his own terms, not my own. Yes. And I have all of these outside influences who are coming to me and saying, this is the way you ought to walk. And it's a wonderful thing to see young people in the church, you know, younger than me and around our ages, spend 20, 25 years in the church and you see that wild horse become self-controlled, teachable, and able to instruct others who are younger than them. Yes. Right. That's that's the beauty. That's what is expected for a normal Christian. And oftentimes, what we see today is kind of a shameful thing in which a person can be called a Christian, and for 20, 25, 30 years, their self-control was at the same basic level as when they started. Because they refuse to submit to what God has ordained to humble them. Yes. And this is one of the reasons I think what you gain from the actual corporate piety is that you gain not just the outside perspective, but it humbles you. Mm. It puts you under the proper lens because you don't see yourself correctly. You never do. It takes the outside uh, church and its members and the gifts of the church to influence what you see so that you can humble yourself and grow under what God has ordained. Amen. And, you know, I remember one time uh, Pastor Terry Johnson saying, think about what you receive if you're committed to the uh, Lord's Day services. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was speaking about his own church at, at Independent Presbyterian Church. But he said, think about this. Think about receiving 104 carefully prepared and preached expositions of scripture for you and your family. 104 sermons a year. Um, 104 worship services where you're singing psalms and uh, biblically informed hymns. Uh, in our case, in our church, 52 times you come to the Lord's table and you're, you're reminded of the glorious finished work of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. for our salvation and that which is meant to motivate us unto a godly life. Um, you are coming together uh, 104 times um, and being mutually encouraged by those mm -hmm. around you and let's talk for a minute um, to close out about this upside down spirituality because there are some who would say you know really the 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 corporate worship of the church is important yeah we'll we'll give it a nod but really where the real growth and maturing and strengthening of our faith happens is in small groups or at Promise Keepers uh, or at the Together for the Gospel or at the Ligonier Conference or whatever. And why can we say, one, that those things are important and a, and a blessing to the church in many ways, but not as important, not as primary as the ordinary, uh, sometimes even boring, ministry of the local church what makes the local church and the ministry of the means of grace and the oversight of the elders what makes that so important and significant in comparison to these other things well first and foremost because god ordained it uh, <laughs> but it, it'd be like asking the question why is it more important that you know you're eating uh, three normal meals a day um, each day of your life to keep you alive. Why is it that more important to keep you alive than the once a month that you go out for a nice dinner? <laughs> well, because those other things keep you alive, and the <laughs> yeah. once a month does not. Um, because God ordained that, that the ordinary 
uh, week by week, means of grace, um, are those things which feed your soul. Mm -hmm. And God set it up that way. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus gave us the church to be that, um, to be that blessing unto our week by week um, nourishment mm -hmm. spiritually. Do, do the so-called celebrity ministers that we don't know that we hear on the internet do they oversee our souls? No. <laughs> Yeah. No. They they teach us some important things yeah. and we learn from them, but is there real oversight and shepherding care going on there? No. It's basically a a la carte sort of thing. It's basically going to the buffet yeah. <laughs> in a sense. Where you basically have a lot of really great ministers who have uh, by God's grace have put their sermons online and for those who cannot physically make it to a local church, that's a blessing because they actually hear the word. But that's that's never meant to be your sustenance. It's like, it, I think the best analogy would be in my mind, it's the difference between eating a meal and taking a vitamin. Mm. <laughs> one is actually meant to be chewed on. The other one is basically meant to be a supplement. You can't live off the vitamin even though it has 100% of all your nutrients, so to speak. Mm. You can't live off the vitamin. You live off of the normal food that you get each and every week or each and every day in this case. That's a great way to say it because the, we don't want any of our seven listeners to misunderstand <laughs> that that we're knocking um, quiet times or discipleship groups or accountability groups or together for the gospel or anything, any conference like, like that. We're not saying those things are inherently bad or inherently um, going to get you upside down in your spirituality. What we're saying is that uh, what Gabe just said so wonderfully that those things should be seen as the vitamins that supplement mm -hmm. the objective means of grace, the ordinary means of grace that you get week by week. Amen. Yes. Well, this has been a great discussion, and uh, we hope that uh, our listeners, um, we hope that we here at this table will not have an upside-down spirituality, but truly embrace that uh, which is on God's terms, that we would see the significance of the ministry of uh, the local church and the means of grace and uh, we hope you'll join us next time on Between the Times.